This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When we saw the tree, I was like, how did I live through this? A Vancouver woman is hit by a falling tree, then meets the man who helped save her life. Plus. Bitter? Tired? Didn't sleep well? Wind buffeted and backlogged. The BC ferry sailing that turned into a long boat ride to nowhere. And why the city of Vancouver needs your help to piece together a turning point in BC history. There's something in the air that says we're never going to go back. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. Mass power outages stranded travelers. Even Vancouver's biggest park temporarily closed because of yesterday's destructive windstorm. And for one Vancouver woman, it was more than inconvenient or expensive. She was knocked down by a falling tree. And as Jill Bennett reports, if it hadn't been for her neighbor, this story might have had a very different ending. Next thing I know, I hear a crack and I look up and this black wall just comes on me, pins me down. It was crushing me. When Jacqueline Pfeffer went for a run Friday afternoon, she was headed for the beach instead of her usual route through the forest. She was afraid of trees falling during the windstorm. You know, I can't believe I'm walking around today. Just a half block from her home, Pfeffer was knocked to the ground and pinned under a giant tree and a sheet of plywood. She was completely covered and no one could see her. And I could feel my ribs cracking. And at one point I couldn't breathe anymore and that's when I passed out. And good thing that my neighbor heard me yell before I passed out. A security camera on a home across the street shows the tree still standing at 1.38 p.m. Shortly after 2, the tree is down. Through the wind and the chimes, you can hear Pfeffer screaming for help. That screaming caught the attention of Dale Pugh, who lives just a few houses away. I thought I could hear what I thought were children yelling or screaming. It wasn't very loud. And as I got there, I realized that someone was screaming for help under, uh, under the plywood. Ran home, I got a chainsaw and a jack haul. When I returned, I tried to take some of the weight off her with the jack haul and then started cutting the limbs of the trees off. While Pew kept cutting, other neighbors called 911. Fire crews and paramedics arrived shortly after, and in minutes, Pfeffer was freed. A little bit after they had got the person out with, uh, I was told, less than, no more than five minutes before they actually got the person out, uh, she was uh, back being able to, to speak. I just can't believe I got away with just broken ribs and um, contusion on my heart. My heart was uh, compressed and, you know, a few stitches, but... I mean, it could have been so much worse. Pfeffer was released from hospital Saturday morning. Her first order of business, meeting the neighbor who saved her and saying thank you. Thank God you heard me because... Uh, I'm so glad you're okay. Several residents here say they've raised concerns about the age and stability of these trees in the past and they'll be contacting the city again. For now, Pfeffer is just happy she's still here. It's like a miracle. <laughs> it wasn't her day to leave us. Jill Bennett, Global News. Stanley Park, along with the seawall, reopened this morning after being closed due to concerns about falling trees and the storm surge. 
Park staff spent the day cleaning up. At least one sailboat was found washed up at Vanier Park. Thousands of travelers hoping to catch a ferry were left to sit and wait until the storm blew over. But when a sailing to the mainland was finally given the go-ahead last night, what was supposed to be a 90-minute ride turned into a very, very long trip to nowhere. Julia Foy reports on today's BC Ferries backlog. Grandmother Mandy Phil has been waiting since Friday night for her grandkids to arrive at the Tawasan Ferry Terminal. They were going to get on the 7 and didn't make it. A severe windstorm that hit Friday afternoon forced thousands of ferry travelers to hunker down and wait. There were five ferries that were cancelled, I think seven, and I couldn't come. I had to stay in a hotel in Sydney. We ended up getting the last two rooms at a place in White Rock. Saturday morning, the storm was long over, but the waiting was not. When I got to the gate, I was told that uh, we'll have to wait for like about five hours to get to the ferry. We'll get on a boat at some point. <laughs> Hopefully before the three. But ferry passengers with the biggest beef were those who got on at Swartz Bay at 7 Friday night and ended up sitting at the mouth of Active Pass for several hours before being turned around. We were on the boat for about three and a half hours, doing nothing, wasting our time, being anxious. There's a lot of angry people on there too. Yeah. And so then we had to stand in a big long line of everybody that wanted their refunds. <laughs> so we were there. We didn't get home until after midnight. But one of the saddest stories from the storm comes from a UBC student who tried to catch the 11 o'clock boat to Victoria Friday morning. I was supposed to be attending my dad's funeral. It was at four and I thought I could make it, but then they just kept, they kept canceling on me. Z says she was devastated when she realized there was no way to get to her dad, Alan's service. Just knowing that I wasn't going to say goodbye to him one last time. BC Ferries has offered some assistance to passengers with refunds and unexpected expenses. There were additional sailings added Saturday to clear the backlog. It's obviously a frustrating situation when the weather uh, can uh, come into play and force us to cancel sailings. We certainly apologize to our customers for, uh, for any inconvenience yesterday. Despite delays caused by the first windstorm of the season. My name's Charlie. Charlie? <laughs> and that's Keegan. It didn't seem to dampen spirits for a weekend with Grandma. Julia Foy, Global News. A growing number of alleged attacks against B.C. Ferries workers has their union concerned. On Tuesday, one B.C. Ferries employee reported an incident that's said to have occurred while the ferry was docked at the Tawasin Ferry Terminal in Delta. A spokesperson confirmed to Global News it involved an alleged sexual assault and one person has been arrested. No word if the suspect has been charged. It's the third serious assault against a ferry worker in recent weeks. There was one incident that was widely reported in Langdale. It was attempted vehicular assault. There was another incident last week in Horseshoe Bay where there was a threat of uh, extreme violence that would reach the threshold of criminality. These incidents are extremely seriously and they all rest on a spectrum of abuse. Obviously these incidents are more extreme than the day-to-day -day abuse that our workers face every day, but no abuse is okay. A man on a mobility scooter is in hospital after being hit by a truck in Surrey this morning. It happened at the intersection of Highway 10 and 177 B Street at around 11 o'clock this morning. The truck ended up on the curb with the scooter pinned underneath the front end of the vehicle. Surrey RCMP say the operator of the scooter suffered potentially life-threatening injuries. 
The area was closed to traffic for hours as police investigated. Witnesses are asked to contact the RCMP. Social media is very often a place where people post their personal opinions, but a BC Realtors license has been suspended for doing just that. Kelowna Realtor Ben Houghton wrote, Alberta, such crybabies. Don't worry, Alberta, your greed will soon be back in full swing. It prompted swift backlash online, including alleged death threats towards Houghton. Yeah, I think people should be watching what they're saying and, uh, you know, everybody's so sensitive nowadays. When you're saying something online, it's still in the public sphere unless it's a private message. That would maybe be a different context. But if you're posting something on Facebook, yes, absolutely. I think people can confront you on it. If they were to say it in person, it, they would definitely be held accountable. So I think the same goes online, that you should be held accountable for what you're saying. The managing partner of the real estate agency said Houghton was an independent contractor but is no longer a registered realtor with their firm. Houghton has apologized and Houghton and Century 21 Assured Limited released a joint statement condemning the comment laboring, labeling Albertans as crybabies and greedy. An independent video game studio in B.C. has cancelled plans to expand to Alberta. Eastside Games had been looking to move to Edmonton or Calgary, but plans have been shelved after Thursday's Alberta budget eliminated interactive digital media and capital investment tax credits. The company's co-founder believes this will hurt Alberta's growing tech industry. You like the industries you have, you want to keep those industries propped up, uh, a tax cut for for corporations across the board. That's really nice for corporations that are well established and have been around forever and doing what they could do. But it doesn't do anything to diversify your economy and bring in new businesses and new industries to get started. In fact, it sends a very clear message that you'd rather not. The Alberta government says the elimination of several business tax credits will save $400 million over the next four years. British Columbia is taking the next step in its fight against money laundering and tax evasion with rules to help end hidden ownership. Starting in May of next year, private BC businesses will be required to keep transparency records of true owners, including people with direct or indirect control of the company or its shares. Currently, businesses can hide their ownership behind numbered companies and offshore and domestic trusts. Finance ministry officials and police will have access to the registry. Earlier this year, the province announced the Land Owner Transparency Act, which will create Canada's first beneficial land ownership registry for real estate. Costco is recalling a baby food product because of possible bacterial contamination. Kirkland's signature non-GMO infant formula for babies sensitive to lactose is being recalled because of concerns about chronobacter bacteria contamination. It was sold across the country with a best before date of November 5th, 2020. There are no reports of any illnesses, but the Canadian Food Inspection Agency says in rare cases, this particular type of bacteria can cause serious or even fatal infections. If you have it, you're advised to throw it out or return it to where you bought it. You might call it a traffic stop for the record books. Last night, Victoria police pulled over a driver for speeding, but that wasn't the only alleged infraction. As Kristen Robinson reports, it turns out this driver may have been doing, well, may have been a little more than distracted. It began as a traffic stop for speeding. But what the driver was also allegedly doing surprised even Victoria police. Actually, I find it hard to believe. When traffic cops pulled alongside the pizza delivery driver near Blanchard and Hillside Friday night, 
They say he was FaceTiming with somebody behind the wheel. It's, it's upsetting and annoying because you're quite vulnerable. It's selfish and I think people don't think of the consequences that they could have by just being um, kind of caught up in their own life. Can you, can you see me? I sure can. You shouldn't be able to. You're driving. Don't look at me. It happens more often than you might think, according to legal experts. A lot of people, I think, treat their cars kind of like their living rooms. They have a perception, because of the safety and comfort of their car, that they're not going to be caught. Once ticketed for the FaceTime distraction, criminal lawyer Kyla Lee says many drivers opt not to dispute the fine because the evidence is usually strong and police have often given them a break on other offenses. In this case, the driver was only cited for distracted driving. The officer could have also ticketed the driver for speeding, which would itself carry with it another three points, which would give the driver a total of seven points just for this incident. It's dangerous and you could really kill someone just by being irresponsible. ICBC says on average 77 people die every year in crashes involving driver distraction. It should be mandatory for cell phones to be turned off when entering a vehicle. It's really remarkable that someone could be that selfish and behave so dangerously. A reminder to hold that FaceTime call for when you're parked at home. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Gaming and esports are booming in BC, but industry, industry insiders realize they have a problem. Few women are entering their workforce and they want to change that. Today in Burnaby, the first ever Girls in Gaming event kicked off. The two-day workshop for female high school and university students is in partnership with Electronic Arts and Logitech. Participants learn about game design, marketing, teamwork and competition, all from industry pros. I think that females in gaming should be a better thing because I've seen my brother play games, I've seen my brother's friends play games, but what about me? What about my friends? And most of my friends are actually male and there's actually not a lot of female gamers out there. So I think this community here is that everybody is able to connect and add each other on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter or anything to just connect and like know more females that play games. Metro Vancouver's LGBTQ2 community still faces serious challenges for equality and human rights. But years ago, it was worse. The city of Vancouver has now digitized a treasure trove of images from an era when just being out was dangerous. They paint a picture of a pivotal time in the city's history. But as Paul Johnson reports, your help is now needed to complete that picture. I think that's Adrian. Was Adrian? Looking through a series of old pics of drag queens, Kevin McCune has already been able to fill in some of the blanks. I'm seeing a lot of very familiar faces, and um, it's bringing back a lot of memories. McCune covered Vancouver's gay community for the Georgia Strait in the 70s. That's Mona Regina Alexandra Lee, Empress Two. He's exactly the kind of person the city hoped would turn up to help identify some of the many unknown faces in a new gay and lesbian archive they've established. Who were the men on the steps in this photo? Who were the women demonstrating in this picture? Our history as a community, as a minority community, has been heavily underdocumented by, uh, by historians. Ron Dutton is the archivist who assembled the collection and donated it to the city. 
Much of it covers the tumultuous years of the 70s and 80s, which saw the fight for freedom from persecution and the tragedy of AIDS. They had a lot to be vocal about. You didn't get arrested for beating up a fag in uh, up through into the 80s. This yeah. one might be So as people drift in and start putting names to the faces, a more complete account of this part of Vancouver's history comes into focus. It matters who those people were and, and the, the work they put in over many years to, to change the law and to uh, change the social outlook on our communities. Certainly in terms of Canada and British Columbia, we were certainly uh, pioneers. In Vancouver, Paul Johnson, Global News. It's been promised to be here before the holiday season, and now the TransLink Mayor's Council wants to create a regional licensing system for ride-hailing before the services are set to operate later this year. The general manager of Lyft says they're ready to launch in B.C. as soon as they get approval from the Passenger Transportation Board. But some municipalities have been looking to charge ride-hailing companies business licenses and other fees. Vancouver has already approved a congestion fee and a per-vehicle fee. Coquitlam Mayor Richard Stewart says the Mayor's Council is trying to eliminate the patchwork system that would result. Well, one of the things we need is a regional licensing system so that we don't have 22 jurisdictions all doing something different. So we're working right now at TransLink Mayor's Council toward getting a regional license rather than 22 individual licenses for ride-hailing drivers. We have some breaking news. Richmond RCMP are investigating after a body was found at Vancouver International Airport. RCMP re received a report of the body just after 10.30 this morning in the southwest corner of Sea Island. It was found in an area that is restricted to the public. RCMP say they have been unable to identify the deceased as the body is in an advanced state of decay. A spokesperson for YVR says there is no cause for alarm to the traveling public and no impact to airport operations. <laughs> An investigation is underway following this heart-stopping incident in Edmonton yesterday. A window washer had to be rescued when the scaffolding he was on was whipped around in heavy winds. He ended up dangling from a harness. Fire crews used a ladder truck and ropes to bring him down to safety. He was shaken up but was otherwise uninjured. Millions of Americans are enduring weather extremes this weekend. Powerful wind is fueling fires throughout California, where up to 50,000 people have been evacuated from their homes. Meanwhile, rain and wind is making life miserable from the Gulf Coast to Michigan. Right now, millions of people are without power, and it could get even worse. In fire-plagued California, millions are being plunged into darkness on purpose. This will be the third power failure in 10 days. The electric company PG&E turning off power in 36 Northern California counties, affecting nearly a million customers to lessen the risk that downed power lines will spark wildfires. This will be a long duration and potentially extreme historic event uh, across the North Bay. With winds expected to reach 70 miles per hour in places, state officials say the risk is historic. Deja vu for some who say this is becoming too common in the Golden State as up to 14 fires rage from Los Angeles to the Bay Area. We got a bang on the door at 5.30 in the morning saying, get out, quick, fire. Extreme weather not just plaguing the West. Along the Gulf Coast, it's wind and water. 
The remnants of Tropical Storm Olga made things a soggy mess in New Orleans, at its peak leaving about 90,000 customers without power. And in Mobile, Alabama Friday night. My husband, all he, all it, he opened up the back door and just saw the wind and said, get the kids, get in the tub, and next thing we know, it went right over us. A confirmed tornado destroyed homes and brought down trees and power lines. So we could feel the vibration. I mean, we could feel everything shaking, and we heard the noise. And we knew then that there was a tornado very, very close. No serious injuries so far, but the weather risk remains high throughout the weekend. Chris Pallone, NBC News. Massive brush fires in Australia have destroyed at least two homes. Thick black smoke was seen rising across the river in New South Wales. Fire officials issued an emergency warning after several reports of spot fires in the area. Meanwhile, record heavy rain has suspended train and highway bus service yesterday from Narita International Airport to central Tokyo. The airport company arranged temporary buses. 3,000 travelers were forced to spend the night at the airport and were provided food and sleeping bags. And railroad and highways resumed service this morning. British police have now charged a truck driver in connection with the tragic discovery of 39 people found dead in the back of a tractor trailer. 25-year-old Maurice Robinson faces 39 counts of manslaughter and conspiracy to traffic people. Five others are being questioned by investigators. Chinese and Vietnamese authorities have contacted police in the UK with personal details of people who have been reported missing. Convicted Russian agent Maria Butina returned to Moscow today after being released from a U.S. prison. She served 18 months in jail. The gun rights activist was convicted after she admitted to trying to infiltrate the NRA to influence policy. On arrival in Moscow, she said she's thankful for those who supported her since her arrest. The Russian government has described the case against her as fabricated. A protest in Chile's capital turning violent Friday with police firing tear gas and water cannons at demonstrators. The violence erupted towards the end of an afternoon of peaceful protests. At least 19 people have died in the turmoil that has swept Chile over the past week, all prompted by increases in transit fees. And have a look at this. An airport hangar went up in flames west of Chicago yesterday, destroying eight of ten planes inside the hangar. Now, the cause of the fire is under investigation. Fortunately, no injuries were reported. A California kayaker returned to shore unharmed after coming face to face with a shark. The kayaker says the fishing trip took a frightening turn when a 10-foot great white bit into his kayak, flipping him into the water. The kayaker and his friend were rescued by nearby boaters. Teeth fragments collected from the kayak will be sent to a marine biologist to be analyzed. In Health Matters tonight, the world's largest cigarette company was in Vancouver this week campaigning for a smoke-free Canada. Representatives from Rothmans and Benson and Hedges were sweeping cigarette butts off downtown streets on Thursday. The company has set a goal of stopping selling cigarettes by 2035 as it pushes for a smoke-free future with new technology. The cigarette maker says it's diversifying with tobacco alternatives that can heal heat, rather, real tobacco, but... Don't admit smoke, ash, or any odor. Actually, quitting is the best choice. We're here to tell people that we want to unsmoke Canada. And what that means is if you don't smoke, don't start. If you do smoke, quit. But if you're not going to quit, choose a better technology. 
For years, medical doctors have been advised not to overprescribe antibiotics, and now dentists are being given the same advice. The American Dental Association's latest guidelines say antibiotics can cause serious side effects and other overuse may and their overuse may result in antibiotic resistance. Instead, healthy patients should go to a dentist for treatment or use over-the-counter pain medications for toothaches. The only time antibiotics should be prescribed is if the patient has a fever, swollen lymph nodes, or extreme fatigue. How young is too young to leave a child at home alone? Researchers asked nearly 500 social workers what age could be considered neglect if a child was left at home alone for at least four hours. Most felt it would be neglect if the child was 10 years old or younger. But only 12% felt that way if the child was 12 so long as there were no local laws on the matter. In the end, experts say every child is different. They advise parents to discuss the issue with their pediatrician. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So first, Ireland fans took on the New Zealand All Blacks during the Hawkeye. Now England players use their own stare down at the Rugby World Cup. We're going to show you that right after Yvonne's forecast. But first, and this one is for Yvonne and any of you who love baby pandas, twin baby panda cubs are moving to a new home at a zoo in Germany. The Berlin Zoo built them a new larger crib, which allows them to move around better as they're getting a little bit more active as baby bears are like to do. The twins were born on August 31st to six-year-old Mung Mung. According to the zoo, Mung Mung is doing a fine job of looking after her cubs. And did you know, giant pandas grow between 1.2 and 1.5 and meters, and they weigh between 75 and 135 kilograms. Look at that. Scientists aren't sure how long pandas live in the wild, but in captivity, they can live to be around 30 years old. And Yvonne, I, I just added those extra facts so that we could just look at that video a little bit longer. <laughs> and I appreciate it, and I'm sure many people at home appreciate it as well, because you have to look at the little paws. Oh, there's so many details. So cute. So cute. The cuteness factor just went up. All yep. right, to a quick glance, what a difference a day makes weather-wise. It was blustery yesterday, an intense cold front just swept across the province. Much calmer today. We saw some bright spots out there, and we've got a beautiful sunset this evening. It's fantastic as we're overlooking English Bay. Temperatures at 9 with the northwesterly wind. It's calm or light at 13 kilometers per hour. A few photos to kick things off. It was fantastic across the province today. A great shot that was captured this morning in Van. Jeff sending this shot of the sunrise this morning. This afternoon in Chilliwack, Lauren, thank you so much for that great shot there. And a final shot of the fall foliage. It is beautiful out there. Get out and enjoy it. Sandra sending us in this shot in Kamloops. Highs today up to 12 degrees right where we should be for this time of the year. A record on the Almanac, 17 degrees set back in 1958. The sunset now just after 6 o'clock, but it's fantastic. Temperatures today on the cool side for the piece. Much of the central interior, 
single digits. The southern half of the province into the double digits. Victoria today bumping up to 13 degrees. Current temperature for Whistler, 7. It is going to be quite chilly for many spots in the interior, dipping below the freezing mark. We are looking at the risk of frost for the early morning hours and with the clear skies over the next couple of days and calm winds, we are also going to be tracking some morning fog patches. A nice break, and it's all courtesy of a ridge of high pressure that is building in for tomorrow morning. Dry conditions. Southern interior will clear out and even leading into early next week. Upper level chart putting it into place, so very strong upper ridge building in across the province. I've put this all the way towards Thursday for Halloween. Trick-or-treaters, great news. It is going to be dry for much of the province and across the south coast, just a few clouds in the mix. For the piece by the afternoon, an increase in cloud cover, a chance for some flurries. The early morning hours bundle up, the wind chill sitting at minus 9. Whitehorse wind chill for the morning hours, minus 14, climbing up to minus five cool but dry over the next three days coastal sections a mainly sunny sky highs up to eight degrees a bit of a blip in the forecast will be late on tuesday for the evening with the chance of showers popping up caribou and central interior wind chill at minus nine for the morning hours highs up to three degrees columbia and kootenai a blip on monday with the chance of showers and then it rebounds tuesday onwards ridge building in right across the province thompson okanagan for the morning hours feeling closer to minus six. Whistler will be up to nine as the high. It does cool off slightly into early next week, but the next five, potentially seven days, dry, sunny, highs up to 12 degrees for the southern and eastern half of the island. And I know it's a bit early, but just in case you're planning your Halloween forecast, Colleen, this is one of my favorite graphics for Halloween. Uh, we've got Thursday's forecast for the trick-or-treaters around the evening hours sitting at eight degrees, and we've got a few clouds in the mix, so plan for that over the next few days. Five-day forecast, Monday morning, some fog patches, pleasant over the next little while. And then, yes, on Halloween so far, a dry one. Temperatures will be into the double digits for a couple of days, too. Colleen? Love it. Thanks so much, Yvonne. <laughs> some rub rugby fans say that it's disrespectful. Others say fair is fair. Last week, Ireland fans drowned out New Zealand's pregame tradition by singing. Today, it was England's turn, but this time it wasn't the fans at the Rugby World Cup semifinal. It was the team itself. England taking on two-time defending champion New Zealand with some serious gamesmanship prior to the start. England straying into the all-black side of the half as they prepared to deliver the haka. Match officials gesturing them to move back, but no. Leave it to Barry to tell you how it all turned out. Suffice to say, a new tradition may have been born for England. Huh. Well, you know, they're all big boys. As you mentioned, England said we did not do anything disrespectful. We just did not want to be in line with them so they could see us. To kind of, because it's an intimidation thing, I think. Why is one team, namely New Zealand, allowed to intimidate? And the well, other teams are not. It's just there. I just posed that question. I, I'm not, I don't think there, it doesn't mean the other team can't do something like that. That's just New Zealand's tradition, I believe. But Like I say, maybe a new tradition has been perhaps, born. Perhaps, but you know, exactly. I think a lot of the teams are saying, you know what, this is a, it is somewhat intimidating that they do that. And no obviously kidding. with New Zealand's success, they've, <laughs> they've done that. So it, it worked for England. So we'll have highlights of that uh, coming up. 
Canucks, uh, I tell you, they're losing. I think they all lost some sleep last <laughs> night. They were up 5-1 in the second against Washington, playing a great game, and then oh. literally collapsed and oh. lost in a shootout. So Shoot. tough loss. We'll look uh, back at that. But uh, they don't play this weekend. They'll play again Monday. But, uh, but out of character for them this year because they've been really good goals against they boys, have so. been. All right, I'm looking to forward to seeing Yvonne in that pumpkin carving contest, but you've got some good stuff first. That's right. It, it, it's hockey night in Canada. <laughs> not, not, it's hockey night. In Canada. Nice. Not, nice. Not. You have to start hockey. That's who we are. All right. Thanks, Colleen. <laughs> the uh, Canucks have the day off, but they uh, have to be reliving what turned out to be a nightmare meltdown last night against the Washington Capitals. Canucks burst their way to a 5-1 lead in the second, but blew it and lost 6-5 in a shootout. They got a point, but gave away a crucial one. We'll see how they react in their next game Monday against uh, Florida at Rogers Arena. Alex Ovechkin, who we uh, featured yesterday, already nine goals this season, but the Canucks held him off the board. Canucks led 2-1 after one, then tacked on three more in the second. Elias Pettersson will score there to make it 3-1. Now 4-1, Bo Horvat to Jake Bertanen, wires in his second. 5-1, Canucks in control. It's a happy Friday night. But Washington got one late in the second, one early in the third, and then two quick ones from Michael Kempany to tie it at five. It would go to a shootout. Washington scored first. Look at that goal by Patterson. Wow. Great deke, and the Canucks were tied at that point, but Nicholas Backstrom had a chance to win it, and he goes post and in past Jacob Markstrom to give the Caps the win. The Canucks not happy after blowing the 5-1 lead. They get the weekend off, and they will host Florida on Monday. NHL tonight, Colorado Avalanche have been dominant so far. 8-1-1 in their first 10, of course, as we say that. They're getting uh, their lunch handed to them by the Ducks so far in the first period. Adam Henrique snaps in his sixth, and the Ducks are now up 2-0 in the first in Denver. CFL tonight from Edmonton, Riders and Eskimos, Saskatchewan in a three-way tie for first with Calgary and Winnipeg, but the Eskimo defense comes up big, sacking Cody Fajardo. He fumbles here. S recover on the one, turn that into a touchdown, led 17-7 at halftime, but the Riders come to life in the third. For Jardo, who was with the Lions briefly a year ago with a touchdown pass here to Kieran Moore to make it 17-14. And then late in the third, Fajardo again, this time to the former Lion, Manny Arsenault, using that height advantage at the goal line. Riders have their first lead, 21-17. That's where they stand early in the fourth. Meanwhile, former UBC quarterback Michael O'Connor getting his first game action in the CFL in his rookie season. His first pass is a 31-yard completion to Armanti Edwards. Great start for O'Connor, and he drives the Argos downfield and will throw his first CFL touchdown pass to Rodney Smith, who makes a great grab. But then Smith will fire the ball into the crowd. Hey, wait a minute, O'Connor wants that. That's his first CFL touchdown pass. They actually did retrieve the ball for O'Connor, but what a great moment for him and the UBC program as the Argos go on to win at 39-9. to Game four of the World Series from Washington. Road team has won the first three games. Nats leading the series two games to one. Astros get to the national starter Patrick Corbin. Already a run in when Yuli Gurriel with the infield single scores. Michael Brantley, 2-0. Houston jumps out quickly and they tack on two more in the fourth. Robinson Chirinos jumps on one. A two-run shot to left and it's 4-0 Houston right now 
in the fourth. Raptors on the road in Chicago. Toronto 1-1 one one so far after losing last night in Boston. OG Ananobi will be called upon to pick up the slack with no Kawhi Leonard. OG slamming it down there. And then in the second quarter, Pascal Siakam with the drive and dish to Ananobi for the flush. And then Fred Van Vliet picking up where he left off in the NBA Finals. Nice little stutter step. Drive drives the foul for the three-point play. Raptors leading this one now in the third, 62-48. The Seahawks will try to bounce back from their home loss to Baltimore in Atlanta tomorrow morning. Seahawks have been the beneficiary of a very weak schedule. The Falcons are just 1-6, one, one of the worst records in the NFL. Here's a guy with a pretty good road record, Chanel Pertap, in the red zone. Falcons have lost five straight and are giving up 31 points a game, second last overall. And in their last three, Atlanta has surrendered an average of 41 points. Their starts aren't very good. In five of their seven games, the Falcons have trailed by double digits at the half, being outscored 120 to 50. Matt Ryan is second in the NFL in passing yards, but his status is up in the air after an injury he suffered last week. He's been sacked nine times in the last three weeks. And if he can't go, Matt Schaub will get the start, who has just six completions this season. Seattle will look to feast on whoever starts behind center. The run defense got burned last week for 199 yards, most of them to Lamar Jackson. Now Atlanta is fourth last when it comes to rushing, averaging just 74 yards a game. But the Falcons do like to throw, and Seattle is ranked in the bottom. Pass. Seattle ran for just 106 yards last week as the offensive line is still a little banged up. Baltimore created seven tackles for a loss, so if the Hawks' running game is to get back on track, they'll need to win the line of scrimmage. Russell Wilson struggled versus the Ravens, completing just 49% of his passes and threw his first interception of the season. But the MVP favorite will look to rip apart a secondary that has given up over 1,000 yards passing in the last three weeks. Seattle is a road favorite and hasn't lost back-to-back -back games since November of last season. All right, Rugby World Cup semi. England taking on the two-time defending champions from New Zealand. The gamesmanship prior to the start. England straying into the all-black side of half as they prepared to deliver the haka. Match officials gesturing them to get over. But uh, maybe England's strategy paid off because the all-blacks didn't look ready early. And England get in on Amani Tuolagi try. England relentless all-match. They added four kicks for 12 more points and win it 19 to 7, a massive upset. England off to its first World Cup final in 12 years. They'll play the winner of South Africa and Wales. English Premiership today. That is 21-year-old American Christian Pulisic, young Chelsea player who burst onto the scene today at Burnley. Pulisic gets the Blues on the board in the 21st. Left footer, his first ever Premier League goal. And then late in the half, Pulisic making another run, this time with the right foot. Took a bit of a deflection, but it's his second goal of the match. 2-0 Chelsea at the half. He wasn't done yet. Early second half, Pulisic with a brilliant header, his hat-trick goal. Youngest player ever to score a hat-trick for Chelsea at age 21. 4-2 final, Blues win. 
FIFA Under-17 World Cup kicking off in Brazil. Canada taking on the hosts. Seven Vancouver Whitecap development members on Team Canada's 21-man roster, including five BC-born players. Tough opening draw, though, taking on Brazil. Canada already down 2-0 when the Brazilians add another in the opening minute of the second half. Canada fell behind 4-0, but... Pretty talented Canadian team. Vancouver's Karen Habibula with a, a Karen Habibula with a great chance. He's from the South Burnaby Metro program. And then Canada gets a late reward. Toronto's Jason Russell Rowe with a goal. Canada fall 4-1 in their opener, but they have a good chance to win their next two in their group. They face Angola Tuesday, then New Zealand next Friday. Torrential rain washing away the second round at the Zozo Championship in Japan yesterday. Tenth fairway looked like a rushing river. Incredible job by the workers just to get the golfers out there today. No spectators allowed though. They missed out on watching Canada's Corey Connors throw down a six under 64. Connors tied for fifth. Adam Hadwin is at uh, minus one through two rounds. Tiger went low in the opening round, had never shot 64 in the opening round of a PGA event prior to Thursday. Matched that again on uh, Saturday, Japan time. His putting has been fantastic. Ben's one in at 13, and then on 17, hits a little cut shot here into the green. Perfect, led to another birdie. Tiger at minus 12, leads Gary Woodland by two shots. Now, of course, 16-hour time change, so the round three already underway. They're trying to squeeze in 27 holes today. And they did allow spectators on the course today. Do we have, there we go, lots of spectators, thousands, big Tiger fans in Japan. He hasn't been there uh, since 2004. Does that look like Tiger? I suppose a little bit. Uh, they saw Tiger bogey his first hole. Meanwhile, Corey Connors, nice tee shot here to four feet, made the birdie. And he is at minus nine right now as he plays the ninth hole. Tiger, though, Recovering, birdied the third and then at four, another long one, and he has since made a couple more. Tiger now at 15 under as he chases Sam Sneed's 82nd uh, 80, record of 82 PGA Tour victories, and uh, we'll have more on that tonight. They're trying to squeeze it in with all the bad weather they've had no there. No kidding. Divers in the Okanagan headed into the lake today with pumpkins, and they emerged one hour later with jack-o'-lanterns. Jules Knox has more on the 38th annual Pumpkin Dive. It's something that nobody else does and everybody thinks is crazy, so that makes it fun. All right, let's do this. <laughs> it's a carving contest taken to new levels, literally. Scuba divers splashing into the water with pumpkins, sinking down, and then scooping and slicing. So the trick is to get a pumpkin that's buoyant underwater, deep enough to carve. I'm only allowed to use a dive knife, and so I gotta take extra lead to get me down. I gotta take a sharp dive knife to get into that pumpkin. Creating a jack-o'-lantern underwater, a little bit of art and a little bit of science. Getting the pumpkin down is the hardest part. If you've ever tried taking a basketball to the bottom of the swimming pool, that's the first part. And then you gotta, once you get the first hole cut, the air comes out and then it's easy. Carvers competing in different categories like classic Halloween, most environmental and even dullest knife. A guy won last year by carving a pumpkin that looked exactly like Donald Trump. Divers are given an hour underwater to carve their creation. It is hard to catch your pumpkin as it starts to surface. Uh, it's quite a feat. Yeah, it would help if I was a juggler. And when the time's up, everybody floats back into shore for a show and tell. Okay. 
Some of the jack-o'-lanterns are a little scarier than others, but all carved under a lot of pressure. Jules Knox, Global News. Hard to find the candle lit under mm. there. And the fish love it because they love the pumpkin seeds. Ah, oh, no, good no. point. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Jordan will be here <laughs> at 11. Good night. Oh, that's pretty.